Hello, and welcome to Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed our state's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson. I do communications here at Fresh Energy, and I'm here today to share with you a recording of our recent webinar focused on Clean Cars Minnesota. In this discussion, Fresh Energy's Anjali Baines and Margaret Trini Hendrick give us the scoop on clean cars and fact check some myths. And with that, I will begin the recording. Welcome to Fresh Energy's conversation about Clean Cars Minnesota. My name is Joe Olson. I do communications at Fresh Energy. And today we are getting together to have a fact check about Clean Cars Minnesota, where we'll be talking about the truth behind Clean Cars and what it entails. So as many of you know, last year, Governor Walls announced that Minnesota would be joining 14 other states and Washington DC in adopting something called clean car standards. So these standards are regulations and incentives for the auto industry aimed at reducing pollution and giving customers more choice. So you probably, if you know Fresh Energy, have been hearing about this from us for almost two years. Uh, we've been working on this and advocating for the adoption of these standards for almost the entire time that they've been a part of the conversation, so two years. The process is poised to move forward and we're expecting a draft rule uh, to be announced later this fall by the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. But before that happens, we wanted to take some time to talk about the ins and outs of Clean Cars Minnesota, uh, what it is, what it does, really importantly, what it does not do, and why it's the right choice for our state. So today I am joined by a couple of clean cars experts here in our Zoom room. These are two folks from Fresh Energy's beneficial electrification team. So we've got Anjali Baines, Senior Policy Associate, and Margaret Cherney Hendrick, who is the program director. So we'll be taking the first half hour of the webinar to talk about Oh, what clean cars exactly is. So you're gonna get a lot of information thrown at you for these first 30 minutes. And then we will have a lightning round where we'll kind of do some myth busting. And then we will go into your Q&A. So this is your reminder to please use the Q&A function. It's the button at the bottom of your screen. Uh, if you chat in your questions, it's likely I won't, I won't see them. So please use Q&A. Um, that's what I'll be going through at the end. And I think with that, we're gonna get started. So the first question, uh, let's talk about why clean car standards have already been adopted in 14 states. What do they know that we don't? Margaret, do you wanna start us off? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thanks, Joe, and great to be with all of you today um, talking about clean cars. So. I think, you know, these 14 states and I think the, the nation uh, in general are really beginning to realize that um, the transportation sector is a huge contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. And um, again, the national trend is the same as the trend we see in Minnesota, where transportation is now the largest contributor of greenhouse gas emissions across the economy. So the most intensive sector of our economy currently. And of that transportation sector in Minnesota, um, really notably, we see that passenger cars and light duty trucks, which are pickups, crossovers, and SUVs, um, make up a majority of the sector's emissions. So 60% to be precise are attributable just to passenger cars and light duty trucks. Um, and, you know, we know that we're off track to meet the carbon reduction goals that the state has set by the Next Generation Energy Act. 
Um, and the Pollution Control Agency now says that if we continue at the rate uh, that we are with greenhouse gas emissions, so a business as usual emissions scenario, that by 2030, we are going to be about three and a half million tons of carbon emission off of our trajectory to meet our 2030 and 2050 goals. And, you know, it's not that we can't decarbonize across the economy. We've seen that we've made really great strides in decarbonizing the electric sector, for example, so moving off of uh, coal and off of natural gas. Um, but we are beginning to realize now that we need to make policies um, and strategies to decarbonize other sectors of the economy, um, like transportation. And that's why we're so excited to talk about clean cars today, because uh, of the other 14 states that have adopted clean car standards, we're starting to see measurable uh, declines in those greenhouse gas emissions across the transportation sector. And we're looking forward to be able to accomplish that in Minnesota as well. Thank you, Margaret. And like Margaret said, I'm excited to be here. This will, <laughs> this webinar will have a lot of information. Um, so luckily this will be recorded into podcast afterwards for those who want to scroll back and keep listening in and all the details. So Margaret spoke about the climate pollution um, and climate benefits of clean car standards. Another important co-benefit that we often speak about is the air quality and specifically the improvements in air quality that can come from adopting clean car standards. Transportation, is a big source of climate pollution, and it's also a really large source of what's called criteria air pollution, which are pollutants that harm human health and include things like nitrous oxides, ozone, and fine particulate matter, which you'll also see written as PM 2.5. A lot of studies have outlined the serious harm that these pollutants have on our heart, lung, and respiratory systems. And those harms to human health are made even more stark when we're in a pandemic like this that acutely affects our airways. One such study, the 2019 Life and Breath Report, which you'll hear us reference a lot, estimated that each year there are 2,000 to 4,000 deaths attributable to air pollution across Minnesota. It's also important to note here that the harms from air pollution are not evenly felt across all communities. Oftentimes it's communities of color and under-resourced communities that are bearing the brunt of that harm. But this is really not just a Twin Cities or urban problem. The same Life and Breath report, which was published by Pollution Control, found that the rates of death attributable to air pollution were actually higher in parts of greater Minnesota than in their urban counterparts. So this is truly an issue across the state of Minnesota. Since transportation is such a huge source of this air pollution, Cleaning up our cars and light duty trucks through adoption of things like clean car standards will not only help our climate, it will also help our health. Lastly, clean car standards offer real benefits to consumers as well through expanded choice and cost savings. On the choice side, adopting clean car standards will mean more electric vehicles will make it to Minnesota to be sold since it requires automakers to send more of them here. And we'll get into more of the details of what clean car standards actually entails in the next question. Um, on the choice side, again, more EVs, and this is really sorely needed in Minnesota. A July 2020 survey by the Minnesotans EV buyers of dealerships within 200 miles of the Twin Cities found that less than 1% of vehicles on dealer lots were actually EVs, and only 19 EV models were available. Compare this to San Jose, where a similar survey found 43 EV models available. 
So clean car standards, if we adopt them, can help narrow that gap in both the number of EVs and then the types and models and makes are provided to Minnesotans. But clean car standards are not just about EVs. They also help gasoline powered cars and trucks reduce their emissions, largely through fuel efficiency gains. This means that consumers will also save on fuel costs. In fact, in an upcoming report from Chuck Schulock, an average clean car could net over 1500 in savings over the life of the vehicle. So clean car standards is really good for Minnesotans on issues of climate, health, and consumer choice and cost savings. Okay, so that's a lot of information and it seems like clean car standards are a really multifaceted solution for a whole variety of issues. So I can see why so many states are making moves to adopt them or have adopted them. So let's talk a little bit about Clean Cars Minnesota and the rulemaking process underway here uh, with the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency to adopt clean car standards. So these standards only apply to automakers. Is that right, Anjali? That is exactly right, Joe. They only apply to automakers who essentially have to deliver for sale light duty vehicles that emit fewer and fewer greenhouse gases and other air pollutants. A quick term of art here, when I say light duty vehicles, we're referring to cars, SUVs, crossover, pickups, um, basically anything that you as a consumer or passenger would buy to travel around in. So as I mentioned, clean car standards, automakers have to deliver cars that reduce fewer emissions, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and accomplishes this in two ways. The first is through what's called a low emission vehicle standard or LEV standard, which really focuses on reducing greenhouse gases and other air pollution from primarily gasoline powered cars and pickups. This is typically accomplished, as I mentioned, by increasing fuel efficiency and therefore decreasing fuel consumption. So under the LEV standard, automakers will be sending less polluting and more fuel efficient cars, crossovers, SUVs, and pickups to Minnesota. I will note that this standard is based on a fleet-wide average, which also allows automakers flexibility in mixing and matching um, which of their vehicles they're sending here to comply with the LEV standard. It also has different greenhouse gas emission standards for larger vehicles like pickup trucks than smaller cars, which takes into account the fact that those vehicles will have different weights and kind of different need to move them forward. So that's the LEV standard. The second part of clean car standards is what's called the Zero Emissions Vehicle Standard, or ZEV standard. ZEVs refer mainly to full battery electric vehicles. These are Nissan Leafs, your Chevy Bolts, your Teslas, and plug-in hybrids like the Kia Nero PHEV, the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, or the now discontinued Chevy Volt. Um, the ZEV standard really works by requiring automakers to send a certain number of electric vehicles to Minnesota, and this number would be greatly more than what they currently do. So by providing more EVs to Minnesota, this will not only increase the availability of electric vehicles here, it will also increase the visibility of electric vehicles in Minnesota. All right, so I've heard that in order to like really understand an issue, you need to hear the answer three times. So I'm gonna to try to boil this down and we'll make it like the second time we all hear it. So number one, automakers will need to provide a certain number of vehicles that meet low emission vehicle standards. Number two, automakers will need to send more electric vehicles to Minnesota for sale in dealerships, thus increasing consumer choice. Right? Did I repeat that right? That was perfect. 
Okay, well, right. this, this seems relatively straightforward, and it actually would do a lot for Minnesota as far as climate, health, and vehicle choice goes. So let's shift slides here, and I want to talk about some of the misinformation floating around, and I'm hoping that we can dive into some of those uh, things right now. So first, will Clean Cars Minnesota impact farming equipment? Margaret, do you want to take this one? Sure, I'd love to. And this is one of the more common misconceptions that we've seen to date. Um, so Clean Cars Minnesota is not at all going to affect farming equipment. It will only apply to new passenger vehicles. So again, these are light duty vehicles that include your car, pickup truck, SUV, and crossovers um, that will be delivered to the state in the future. It has no bearing at all on off-road equipment or uh, farming equipment. Okay, thank you. So now, Anjali, your turn. Will Clean Cars Minnesota stop you from buying a gas car and make you buy an EV? This is another commonly heard <laughs> refrain for those who are basically misunderstanding what Clean Cars Standards is about. Um, short answer is absolutely not. Clean Cars Minnesota is really about expanding consumer choice, not limiting it. While more EVs will be available, no one has to buy an EV if they do not want to, and gasoline cars will still be available. They'll just be cleaner and more fuel efficient. Um, and Clean Cars Minnesota only applies to new vehicle sales and at its earliest would only go into effect in calendar year 2024. So anything you already own before that won't be affected and there will still remain a used car market that is unaffected by clean car standards. All right, well, next big one. Uh, so maybe who wants to take this one? Will Clean Cars Minnesota increase the cost of owning a gas-powered car or pickup? How about Margaret? Do you want to take a spin at this? Sure. Um, so no, uh, it's not going to affect the cost of owning a gas-powered car or pickup. Um, and this is because clean car standards result in more fuel-efficient vehicle technology. So buying a car uh, that's powered by gas under Clean Cars Minnesota means you'll enjoy lower fuel costs um, which over time saves you more money than a gas-powered car or truck that didn't come from a clean car state. So the more fuel efficient a vehicle, the less you will have to spend on that fuel. All right, so is this a Twin Cities driven initiative? Anjali, thoughts? No, Clean Cars Minnesota is a one Minnesota solution, um, as Governor Waltz likes to say. It's not just for the metro area. Those living in greater Minnesota are also interested in cleaner, more fuel efficient cars or electric vehicles, just as much as those in the urban areas. And in fact, because those living outside the metro area end up driving a lot further, the fuel cost savings from both EVs and gasoline powered clean cars will be higher and accrue at a higher um, amount for greater Minnesotans than their urban car parts. Simply by driving more, they get to end up saving more. And because so much of the charging for electric vehicles happens at home, for those in greater Minnesota who decide to opt for the more readily available EVs, it means they can also cross off a visit to the gas station on their weekly to-dos. I like that. Okay, so this all sounds great. Margaret, would you talk a little bit why anyone would oppose clean cars? Yeah, really good question. Um, I think a lot of the opposition that we're seeing today comes from groups that are associated with big oil. Um, and this is primarily because they feel threatened by more fuel efficient cars or trucks. So if you're using less gas, that means you need less oil. 
um, and less petroleum and EVs, um, of course, are going to be using no gasoline. So um, big oil is starting to spread a lot of general misinformation. We've seen these campaigns ramp up uh, over the past year as clean cars has um, begun to, you know, do a lot of public uh, meetings across the state and ramp up for a rulemaking process. Um, and, you know, they're really concerned that when the rule is implemented, you know, they're going to be losing that market share. So they're stoking fear now to try to undermine the rulemaking process. Um, other opponents, like some auto dealers, are also resistant to the changing market. I think there's general concern that EVs are not going to move as quickly as internal combustion engines off of lots. Um, however, we see a lot of potential in this market and are very hopeful about the opportunity to grow the market in Minnesota and actually see a net benefit for uh, auto dealers across the state. Thank you, Margaret. So ultimately, Clean Cars Minnesota is really just our state making a choice for clean car standards instead of the current federal standards. Are we giving anything up by not choosing the federal standard? Anjali, do you want to take this? No, and this is another way of restating what was said at the outset, that by adopting clean car standards, we are gaining a lot in purpose, and for reasons of climate, health, and consumer cost and um, choice. The current federal administration, administration finalized rollback of the tailpipe and greenhouse gas emission standards this past spring, which means more carbon and air pollution if Minnesota doesn't take action. Adopting clean car standards ensures that Minnesota won't go that route and instead can enjoy cleaner air and fewer greenhouse gas emissions by ensuring that cleaner, more fuel efficient and more electric vehicles get sent to Minnesota. And despite what some may say, California will not control Minnesotans emission standards if we do adopt clean car standards. It's not just a California thing. As Margaret has mentioned, there's 14 other states as well as the District of Columbia who have adopted clean car standards and 11 of those have adopted both the LEV and the ZEV standards. So while the clean car standards were initially crafted and are periodically revised by California, the decision to adopt the standards remains within the state. And in our case, if California ever makes a change to the clean car standards, Minnesota will need to affirmatively accept those changes, likely through another rulemaking. So in no way are we ceding res responsibility or ceding authority to California by adopting clean car standards. Awesome, thank you. So. Now that we have all this background, let's talk about where Minnesota is in the process. As I mentioned, we've been working on this at Fresh Energy for almost two years, um, and the process has changed also over the past six months. So let's talk about where we are. Anjali, I know you're the most uh, clued into this as the Fresh Energy expert on clean cars. Do you wanna walk us through? Maybe there's a timeline on the next slide that we can talk about. Ooh, maybe there is. Let's see. Um, ah. Yeah, so perfect. <laughs> I can definitely give a sense of where we have been and then what is remaining for us. So as you mentioned, Clean Cars Minnesota is a rulemaking to adopt clean car standards here in Minnesota. Uh, the Pollution Control Agency is leading the rulemaking and was directed to do that by Governor Waltz last September. So it's been almost a year since that initial direction. Before starting the formal rulemaking, the agency actually decided they want to understand how Minnesotans would respond to adopting standards. So they launched what amounted to an informal public comment period on the proposed rulemaking. So this wasn't a formal part of the rulemaking, it was really just seeking 
feedback from Minnesotans on, hey, this is what we're thinking of, how do you feel about it? That informal public comment period lasted from about mid-fall until early December, and it gathered over 2,000 public comments, um, in addition to those who turned up at public meetings and participant surveys, which is far and above more interaction than usually happens in a technical rulemaking. Um, the great part of that is that of those 2,000 responses, the majority were supportive of clean car standards for reasons of health, climate, and choice, like we've mentioned. So with that support in hand, the MPCA was able to then turn to doing a detailed analysis this um, early year to the springtime, which allowed them to understand exactly how clean car standards would Im impact Minnesotans. To do that, they ended up meeting with a lot of different te technical stakeholders, including automakers, auto dealers, nonprofits, in order to get the information they needed to do a sound analysis. Now, there have been some delays due to both the pandemic and the federal rollback, which was finalized this spring. So with those delays, the um, draft rule got pushed back to the fall. We had originally expected it to be spring, but now we're expecting that draft rule language, as well as that technical analysis to be published in the fall, likely around end of September. When that happens, we will, we have now reached the we are here position on the graphic. So when that happens, we will be launched in what's called the formal rulemaking period. And that includes a formal public comment period. So this is similar to the last public comment period in that any and everyone should participate and give their comments on why clean cars matters to them. The difference is that the formal comment, comment period will mean that anything they send in either through written comment or providing oral testimony at public hearings will be reviewed and considered by the judge overseeing the whole process. And at the end of the public comment period, which we're expecting to take through the fall and the winter time, at the end of that, the judge will take all input, review everyone who's participated, and then make a report that either recommends adopting clean card standards or doesn't. If they move ahead with recommendation for all the reasons that we've already laid out, then the agency can take back that rule, finalize it, finalize the language, and then send it to the governor's office for final review before it gets published in the state register, at which point it would be considered adopted. All those steps can take a little bit of time, so we really expect this all to continue through the winter and early spring next year with an adoption perhaps around the springtime. Of course, these are all timelines that we're making our best guess on based on our own understanding of the administrative rules around rulemaking. And um, we'll really have to wait until the draft rule is published to get a better, firmer sense of the schedule. But we think this is a, a pretty good estimate at this point. The important part for this group to understand is how to get involved and participate in the public comment period this fall. And we at Fresh Energy are doing a few things to make that participation as easy as possible. So if you wanna stay up to date with what we're doing and ways you can participate, definitely take a look at our website um, for updates and also check your emails for updates on the Clean Cars rulemaking as well. Again, that end of September is when we expect that draft rule to be published. So we expect a lot more activity to be starting for the public around that time. Thank you, Anjali. I feel like next you should like teach a course on, on just rulemaking in general. <laughs> um, so what you're saying is that even though this has been in progress for about two years, we still have quite a ways to go before the finish line. 
And I think the most important thing to emphasize is that this is not a done deal. And even though so many people commented in the first round, we're depending on those folks and more to engage in the next round. And in the meantime, I think one of the things that we can all do is uh, arm ourselves with information and work to dispel some of the myths that are uh, floating around about clean cars and then plan on engaging in the actual rulemaking process, uh, like you said, late September, whenever that comes out. So I think we're about five minutes from the Q&A. Um, so I wanted to do a lightning round of common myths and talking points about clean cars. So your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is to give two sentence answers to each of these uh, common negative talking points we see online. So after the webinar, everyone, don't worry, this will not be lost in space and time. We've posted a webpage that you'll be able to see all of these answers and even copy and paste from them if you want. Um, but for now, let's hear from our first. Phoebe Buffay says, I don't want California bureaucrats deciding what kind of car I can drive. Who wants to take that one? I can take that one. So Phoebe, me either, and they <laughs> won't. <laughs> States can choose either federal emission standards or clean car standards. Clean Cars Minnesota would do the latter, but to be clear, any changes that California makes afterwards would need to go through another rulemaking before it could take effect here. I would say bonus points for uh, getting who the character is, what sitcom they're from, but I think that's a pretty easy one. All right, Mary Tyler Moore, a Minnesota favorite, says Minnesotans don't buy cars, they buy pickups like Chevy Silverados, and they do not make those electric. Well, I can take a crack at answering Mary's question. Um, this isn't quite right. 40% uh, of all vehicles registered in Minnesota are actually cars, so light duty vehicles. And under clean car standards, less than 8% of new vehicles would be electric by 2025. Even better, there are electric pickups coming soon, like the electric Ford F-150, for those who do want a cleaner electric truck. That seems pretty easy. All right, Carlton Banks says, Governor Walz is going around lawmakers to make clean cars happen. I will take that one. Okay. Um, so rulemaking is just another way to pass policy that helps and protects Minnesotans, which is why Governor Walz directed the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency to kick off Clean Cars Minnesota in the first place. What's more, the authority for the agency to pursue clean car standards actually comes from Minnesota statute, which was passed by the state legislature. Um, thank you. Marsha Brady weighs in and says, clean car standards will make cars less safe because they have smaller frames and lighter materials. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> this is an outdated myth that has already been debunked and quite often. Uh, weight does not equate to safety. Instead, it's really about better engineering, stronger materials, and advanced technology like airbags and anti-lock brake systems, which really equate to safer driving experiences. All right, Jordi LaForge, personal favorite of mine, thinks that clean cars will limit the supply of gas-powered cars at dealerships and force them to stock electric vehicles. Anjali? Yes, this is where my understanding of references stop, but I'm going to take your word that you, <laughs> you like this character. Um, to answer your question, don't worry, car dealerships will still be able to sell as many gas-powered vehicles as they want, and they will not be required to sell electric vehicles. That's really up to the automakers and the auto dealers to figure out. Um, but 
maybe they should be more interested in selling more electric vehicles. A 2019 Consumer Reports survey found that 66 of prospective Minnesotan car buyers actually wanted more electric options from automakers. So there is a market for EVs beyond what these auto dealers might think. And that was 66%, right? 66%, yes. Awesome. I just say 66. Yeah, well, yes, but well, just, just to clarify, I think we all knew. <laughs> all right, Officer Harry Truman. You guys know who this is from? He's from? He's from 21 Jump Street. Uh, no one wants EVs, says Officer Harry. Is he right, Margaret? You know, I've never heard of Officer Harry before, but I'm going to go ahead and take a crack at this. Um, so not according to Consumer Reports. So they put out a survey in 2019 and found that actually 66% of prospective Minnesota car buyers want automakers to provide more electric options and 30% uh, would consider purchasing an EV in the next two years. Um, and even from personal experience calling around to dealerships, it sounds like um, there's such a demand now that EVs are moving off lots before they even get to them and there are waiting lists that are sometimes 10, 20 people deep. So uh, the demand is there, we just don't have the, the choice. Thank you. Uh, moving on to America's favorite postal person. Uh, and I realized I should have rewritten this to say a little known fact. Uh, EVs don't work in Minnesota because our winters are too cold. Anjali? I can take that one, yes. EVs actually perform great in the winter when it comes to starting in extreme cold. Um, unlike many gasoline-powered vehicles, EVs were able to start during the polar vortex, which to those who are familiar with Minnesota, happens more frequently than we had wanted. But EVs were the choice of cars during that time. Their lower center of gravity also makes them easier to handle on icy roads. Plus, battery range is increasing every year with newer models going more than 200 miles on a single charge, which is plenty to cover a typical round trip. I will also note that Norway, which is also a very cold and snowy climate, has a very robust and large EV market. So this cold weather argument doesn't really hold water when it comes to EVs in winter. So once again, one of Cliff Clavin's little known facts is not actually a fact, it's just made up. All right, Blanche says, EVs are only for rich people. And I feel like she would know. Well, I can take a crack at this one. Uh, not so, more and more affordable models of electric vehicles are entering the market every day. And many times the total cost of ownership of an EV is far lower than that of a comparable gasoline powered vehicle. Um, and that's really because the price of fuel is going to be lower and your operation and maintenance costs are considerably lower as compared to owning and operating an internal combustion engine that runs on gas. Um, plus, there are lots of other options that make EV ownership um, available and accessible to all types of folks. Uh, leasing, buying a used EV, um, all of these increase access to electric vehicle use, um, and there are lots of fun options with rideshare and car share as well, uh, like we see with our car. Moving on, clean cars will have zero measurable impact on air pollution or the climate. Now, I will take this last one. So that is just not true. I mean, as we've already talked about, <laughs> there are a lot of benefits to climate and air quality from clean cars. Because clean car standards, again, helps all new vehicles emit less pollution, there are real benefits both our health and our climate. In a soon-to-be-released report by Chuck Schulock, it's estimated that adopting clean car standards could reduce our emissions by 1 million metric tons annually by 2030 
and more than 2.5 million metric tons annually by 2050. And air quality improvements, even small ones, can help reduce hospitalizations and death across the board. Thank you. And this is where we end our lightning round. We're going to have a, a few quick seconds here to talk about how folks can plug in, and then we will go right into the Q&A. So opportunities for the public to engage, Anjali, as you outlined in your timeline, are coming up if they haven't already. So fall 2020 is when the draft rule will kick off the formal rulemaking and other public comment period. So we don't know the details yet, but we can expect COVID conscious public hearings will be held to provide a forum uh, for oral and written testimony. And uh, they'll be set up in such a way that folks from all over the state uh, can participate much as they were in the last round uh, last, was it November? So for now, you can arm yourself with more information uh, about clean cars. So a lot of what we talked about today, we have in writing at the URL you can see on your screen, fresh-energy.org slash what's up with clean cars. So we are putting together uh, what we plan to do once uh, the draft rule has been released. We'll put together an online tool to help you and other folks who are interested in clean cars weigh in. So we'll kind of try to distill the public comment process to help you uh, find the easiest, quickest way to kind of get in, in your two cents. So stay tuned to our website and social media in the coming months. Uh, we don't know when the rule will be released, but we will share as soon as we possibly can. So I think with that, let's move into the Q&A portion of this event. So I've got a few lined up here. So I'm gonna stop sharing my screen so we can see presenters, excellent. So uh, I have a question that I'd like to start off with uh, from Brad. So Brad says, are you able to explain why there has been so much pushback from the automo automobile dealers, particularly the, is it uh, Greater Minnesota Auto Dealer Association regarding Clean Cars Minnesota? And I know we talked about that a little bit, um, but is there anything else that you wanna to say about it? Um, in the meantime? Yeah, I can I can take the first crack here and Margaret definitely fill me in anything I might have missed. So the Minnesota Auto Dealers Association um, has been fairly vocal around opposing clean car standards around um, Minnesota, especially greater Minnesota. And I think a large part of this stems from something we alluded to in our answers, which is this standard represents, represents this seemingly large change and they can always be a little bit uncomfortable to deal with that change and that transition to electric future. So I think that has something to do with it. I will again note that if we were to adopt these clean car standards and finalize it at the beginning of next year, it wouldn't go into effect until uh, calendar year 2024, which is model year 2025. So there is, there is time to ramp up and get comfortable and that's one of the reasons why they have that two-year um, delay in there so that there's adjustment to the markets that can be made. The other thing is that I, I just think there's actually misunderstanding of what the clean cars rule is and what it does. Um, among auto dealers there's a perception that it forces on them new technology that they cannot sell both on the gasoline side and the EVs. I think we've spoken a lot to the EV side how that's just not true. There's actual interest in greater Minnesota. We've had some letters to the editors written by members of the Minnesotans for Clean Cars that live in greater Minnesota who have EVs and have spoken to their benefits. On the gasoline powered side, I think it's important to know that 
actually up until, um, if not actually, I think right now, clean car standards, the LEV component, that portion that's focusing mostly on gasoline-powered cars, that's actually been the same between California and the federal government since 2017, if I'm not mistaken. So we've, we've already experienced three years of essentially half the clean car standards in the LEV, and they haven't reduced sales prices. You know, we've had an extraordinary number of sales each year for vehicles. It's, it's just tied mostly to macroeconomic trends and it's not typically actually tied to perceived increases in costs due to new technology. So we've already experienced the love portion. So that, that part is actually something we have experience with and we don't expect there to be any blip. And on the EV side, I think just more access education will help um, break down those barriers of uncertainty and fear around those. Thank you. Um, would you, either of you, be willing to talk a little bit about the opportunities that clean cars might present from like an economic development and jobs standpoint? Uh, Greg asked a question about uh, job creation. So I wonder if either of you could elaborate on that. I can take a first crack and Anjali jump in if I miss anything here, but I think we're really viewing this as an opportunity economically. This is a large transition across the sector. It's going to require, you know, first and foremost, the deployment, continued deployment of a lot of public charging infrastructure. Um, and this is going to be, you know, bringing a lot of great jobs to the state, um, you know, across the utilities in particular, a lot of, you know, charging happens at home as it is. And so those jobs will um, continue. And I think there's as we see it, a lot of opportunity to um, start to do manufacturing uh, in state. And so we're already starting to see that more on the electric uh, bus side, um, but there are just a lot of opportunities for Minnesota to step up and lead on, on manufacturing and um, start to, to innovate at that level. Great, thank you. Um, so now a question from Charles. Uh, who says he's playing devil's advocate. If there's demand for electric vehicles, why do we need clean car standards to ensure they're available to customers? Anjali, do you wanna take this one? Yes, that is a great question. Um, and it comes up a lot of times when we're talking about how Minnesotans want EVs. I think that the distinction to make is that Minnesotans want EVs, EVs are not here. So why aren't the EVs here? Right now, for better or for worse, Automakers, traditional automakers have generally been behind where the market trends were going in terms of cons consumers wanting EVs. And as a result, we have this high demand state for e EVs where Europe, the European market is demanding EVs. The ZEV states, that those 11 states have already adopted clean car standards, those are demanding EVs. And automakers don't have enough to give to all states. So they're really prioritizing only those states that have passed policy that requires EVs in those areas. So if Minnesota, especially because we're in the Midwest and there's no other clean car seats around us, which makes finding an EV even harder, if we adopt clean car standards, that sends a signal as well as a requirement to automakers to actually send electric vehicles here so that we can get them here and match demand. It's really a core policy for us on our transportation electrification future because it ensures that EVs will end up in Minnesota where we're clearing, where we are clearly seeing that that's not the case right now. And the only thing I'll add there is that the, the market right now for EVs, we're losing a lot of that market share in Minnesota because folks are having to go out of state 
to uh, buy EVs. So EVs that are coming to Minnesota are so limited that you know you'll have you know one vehicle for the latest make and model. You know, let alone choosing color and different you know abilities to to modify the vehicle, um, like you see with other internal combustion engines. So um, I think making sure that we are keeping that money within the state and within the dealerships locally is also an important piece of this. Great, thank you. So uh, either of you could take this one. How will the clean car standard impact, uh, what does it mean for equity ultimately? And I know we talked a little bit about that during the webinar, but maybe we can expand on it here. Yeah, I can, I'm happy to take that. Um, and Margaret did mention that with clean car standards, again, with more, both cleaner gasoline powered vehicles that generally accomplish reduced greenhouse gas emissions through increases in fuel efficiency, as well as more EVs, the more of those you have, the actually, the more you'll have a bigger used car market um, that allows folks more access to affordable options in both. Uh, in an upcoming study, again, we've, we've re referenced this a few times, we have an upcoming study by uh, Chuck Shulock that goes into a little bit more of this accessibility, but under that study it actually says, because of how quickly vehicles depreciate in value, a lot of the upfront technology costs associated with a new vehicle are gone two to three years in. So if that vehicle ends up in a used car um, lot, those people who are able to buy it are actually able to experience the benefits of you know, lower fuel costs as or you know, electricity use without necessarily having to pay for the upfront premium on having newer and better technology. So that's one way. Another way that Margaret also alluded to is a through nonprofit car share programs like Our Car. So Our Car has actually, it operates in the Twin Cities in Rochester and it has set a goal to electrify its whole fleet in the next couple of years. The problem is that if there's no electric vehicles for them to do that, it will be very hard for those who don't own a car to be able to participate in the electric vehicle future. And actually as someone who for this whole time in Minnesota hadn't had a car and used Our Car regularly to get around, um, having clean car standards would mean that the cars I choose from our car are cleaner and electric and I can get a chance to use them um, and experience electric vehicles. And I think that's true also for ride hailing. The more cars that get here, that means those driving ride hails, um, ride sharing like Ubers and Lyfts can both benefit from electric, lower electricity costs because they're doing long distances. So it's a bigger benefit and also provides those who aren't able to afford a car, or don't want to afford a car, to be able to enjoy the benefits of cleaner cars. So that's a great question. I will say generally clean car standards fits into this larger landscape of transportation electrification in Minnesota. Like this is, this is one portion and we're working on trying to get rebates, point of sale, um, rebates, electric transit buses to really expand that idea of access and equity in electric transportation here. Perfect. The other two pieces I'd just add on are, you know, Anjali mentioned that we are expecting electricity rates generally to drop as we electrify more and more of our transportation. And that's really because we produce so much wind energy uh, in the Midwest that we are not using everything that we're producing, especially at night. And so as we start to see more and more overnight charging in particular, we can make better use of that surplus energy that we're producing. 
um, and that will drive down electric rates for folks, regardless of whether you own an EV or not. Um, and then, you know, undeniably, the more you electrify your transportation sector, the more you're cleaning up emissions. And of course, those emissions currently are borne disproportionately by, um, you know, overburdened under-resourced communities. So there's a huge economic and equity component to um, minimizing exposure and reducing, you know, the medical costs and implications of that exposure. And I think I've got another question that really dovetails well with this and, and maybe you answered some of it, but maybe you can add on a little bit. So Chuck asks, can you talk about infrastructure to charge EVs and the impact of EVs on the utilities? I know Excel had a big announcement. This is me, not, not Chuck. <laughs> Excel had a big announcement last week. Uh, the utilities, like what, what does this mean for them? Anjali, I think you should take this. Yes. So as Margaret mentioned, if we can pair electric vehicle charging with overnight off-peak charging that's largely renewables, that can bring the benefits of electric vehicles to more folks, including other utility ratepayers who might not own an EV. The reason for this is that the electric grid is set up to provide energy when most people need it. But there's a lot of excess generation that when folks don't need it, you know, maybe it's overnight, it just sits there waiting to be used. It also means that the electric grid itself is open and ready to transmit and um, direct different electricity sources. So because electric vehicles offers a chance to use this overnight capacity, it means that you could have increasing sales of electricity overnight, but you won't have to actually increase costs because you won't have to build new generators, you won't have to build um, too much new infrastructure. So in the end, the revenues increase while costs decrease or costs stay roughly the same. And that means across the board, ratepayers can end up saving money because as utilities gain more revenue, there is a rule in the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission that um, utilities have to return a portion of that increased revenues as savings back to ratepayers. So it's a way that, you know, in a larger, higher number of electric vehicle future, more folks will be able to benefit from lower utility bills as a result of EVs being charged off-peak. And this actually holds true not just in Minnesota, but there was a study recently from California that proved that this is actually the case. There's been a lot of studies that this should happen. And California this past uh, July issued a study saying that they'd actually seen these real cost savings in PG&E and Southern California Edison, which had the highest number of EVs. So it really gives an example that this is not just theory. This is fact. So we can work towards those savings here as well. Thank you. And I've got a kind of a joint comment slash question from John and Chris. So they are speaking mostly about uh, auto dealers and how they might lose uh, revenue on maintenance services if clean cars were to go forward and more people were to buy electric vehicles because uh, as far as gas powered cars and trucks go, that uh, maintenance is up uh, some money that, that the dealerships make. So would either of you like to comment on that? Sure, I can take a first swing. And I think this is a really important question um, and it definitely uh, speaks to the heart of this type of transition. You know, there are going to be some undeniable shifts and um, you know, dealerships today do generate revenue through operation maintenance 
maintenance primarily of um, internal combustion vehicles. Uh, and that's undeniable. And I think we're not going to argue that point. But I do think, you know, as we're looking at how the market is shaping up, particularly in Minnesota, a lot of that market share on the EV side is going to Tesla. Um, and there's not a lot of competition these days. And so I think I've seen a couple other questions come through about how, how can dealerships be competitive with Tesla if they're not getting any of the EVs um, to sell here. And so I, I think it's a trade-off, right, of, of wanting to look to the future, see that the EV marketplace is growing um, and recognize that to be competitive, we need to have those options um, to supply to consumers in Minnesota rather than lose that business either to Tesla or to, you know, out of state dealerships. And so I think, you know, that's really the the trade-off that we're posed with in Minnesota, especially um, from the perspective of, of the dealerships today. I will just make the, the small note, you know, that Margaret makes a good point. This is part of the larger transition. Clean car standards are really a first step in that transition. And as we mentioned, but under its most stringent form, by 2025, only 8% of new vehicle, new vehicle sales um, would be electric. So this is something that, because we're aware of it, we can be planning for so that when there are more EVs, we have a plan in place to help with that transition as much as possible. I think electric vehicles and this sector has an opportunity to make that transition as kind of just and equitable as possible. All right, thank you. And I've got a question from uh, Lily Paul or Paul Lily. Uh, are fuel cell vehicles included in ZEV standards or only battery electric vehicles? So I think it's a, a question about definitions. Yes, I can answer that one. So uh, good job, Lily. You did catch <laughs> that Zubs actually do refer to fuel cells as well as battery electric and plug-in hybrids. So the reason why we didn't talk about fuel cells here and we kind of made that distinct, made that connection between ZEVs and EVs is Minnesota doesn't really have fuel cell infrastructure. We don't have hydrogen fueling stations here. It's a big thing in California, but just doesn't exist in Minnesota. So for purposes of clean cars in Minnesota, ZEV really refers to battery electrics and plug-in hybrids. Thank you. Uh, I have a question from Philip, who is saying, I'm told the average age of a Minnesota car is 10 years. So that means a typical car is driven for 20 years before being retired. Uh, he says he would guess that most cars emissions are out of spec after five years. Do you happen to have any information on, oh, I, I guess that when, when em the emissions uh, that a car emits maybe aren't up to, to snuff anymore? So that is a great observation, Philip. Um, I think he's really getting to the point that clean car standards, it's not going to change all cars overnight. It's really focused on a relatively small stock of vehicles, that new vehicle stock, and the turnover to get all the other vehicles um, to cleaner and more electric options will take some time. In terms of the data around emissions of cars five years and older, I I'll have to try to find this number. I did, there was some number I found that said something like, you know, the bottom, the oldest 10% of cars emit something like 30% of air emissions. So there is a real, you know, if we can target those older, older cars um, in some way, and, you know, still trying to figure out what's the best mechanism to do that. But if we were to target just them, you'd end up getting greater air benefit 
benefits and climate benefits as a result just by taking off some of those older ones. But clean car standards won't necessarily deal with that. It's really focused on let's at least start off by getting more cleaner vehicles at the beginning in the new vehicle standards and over time there will be turnover so that we can get cleaner cars across um, all the different vehicle stocks. Great and I think too part of it's just an education campaign um, and uh, part of the process this is just the beginning of the of the conversation and getting people kind of up to speed on what clean car standards means and you know a, a car having a 10-20 year lifespan isn't a bad thing. Uh, we don't want to as we said earlier, take away uh, people's cars that they're currently driving. It's really just about more options when they're ready to buy or lease a new vehicle. So I don't have a ton of new questions coming in. I think we've gotten through a lot of them. Uh, is there any, are there any loose ends that either of you would like to tie up before we move on? Oh, all right. Well, I think I just see one more. All right, this one's from Isaac. So will auto dealers need to offer fewer trucks, SUVs and crossovers and more lighter cars in order to meet their fleet-wide fuel mileage standards? Who wants to take this one? I, I can take it and Margaret, let me know if I am missing any details here. So that's a good question. As you mentioned at the outset, um, clean car standards refer, refers to both gasoline powered vehicles and electric vehicles um, with only 8% of new vehicle sales by 2025 being electric. That means that not all auto dealers will have to sell electric vehicles. That relationship is really between automakers and the auto dealers themselves. It's part of a negotiation that they've done traditionally um, in terms of which models and makes get on their lots. So that portion of the of a decision in terms of how many cars of what type and make and model is something that's always just existed within the auto dealer and automaker relationship. I will say again, since clean car standards refers to gasoline powered vehicles, um, even more so than EVs really, there will, there will not be necessarily fewer of these vehicles. There will just be cleaner and more fuel efficient and um, they won't be lighter weight necessarily. A lot of fuel efficiency gains can be gotten through you know, other, other ways around air conditioning, improvements in air conditioning, um, not just making the vehicles lighter. And as Margaret already pointed out, even if the vehicle is technically lighter, it doesn't mean it's less strong or well-suited for crash. And actually EVs in particular tend to do really well in safety, um, safety crash ratings, despite perhaps being lighter because their materials are, that are being used are actually stronger and better for those conditions. Hope that answers the question. I think that's that's great. And if I interpret the question even as you know, will more lighter vehicles need to be offered and fewer of these you know trucks and crossovers and SUVs as a result? I mean, I think the answer there is no. And we're seeing the market evolve where we have more and more of these hybrid and EV and even fuel cell models of these larger vehicles um, starting to be available and certainly with clean cars would be um, prioritized for delivery to Minnesota like they are with other clean car states. All right, well with that we have gotten through our questions. So any loose ends that either of you wanna uh, tie up, this is your last chance to uh, cover anything that we've missed today. I'll just make the point as we said in the middle, you know, clean car standards 
is really this first step entry point for a lot of people into what it means for our future in terms of electric future, which is awesome. I think those conversations are really important. I'm glad they're starting because of clean car standards. The standards themselves are really just that first step. And I would um, ask those on the call and when you're speaking to those you know, to make sure you make that distinction between what clean car standards is and then what this huge electric future that's coming up will be. So clean car standards themselves will offer a lot of benefits to all Minnesotans for both gasoline powered vehicles and electric vehicles. Um, but again, it's really that starting point. So stay tuned for end of September when we expect that draft rule to drop for more information on how to get involved and support clean car standards. All right, Margaret, anything to add? I have one final question to send the room off on. All let's, right. Let's do the question. Yeah. Okay. This is the last one, you latecomers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So Daniel says, given there isn't a requirement for specific dealers to provide ZEV compliant vehicles, is it possible that metro area dealers would sell all or most of these while greater Minnesota dealers could largely maintain the status quo? Manufacturers could meet the statewide requirement while alleviating the concerns of dealers where they don't expect a significant EV demand for now. Thoughts? That's, that's a possibility, Daniel. You know, that's a good question. I think it comes down to the notion that just because we're passing clean car standards doesn't mean every auto dealer will have to sell an EV. Um, what you're describing there in terms of that balance between automakers and auto dealers and where they will be sending EVs, where they think there'll be most sales, is something that will have to take place among the automakers and our auto dealers. We don't have insight to that and nor does clean car standards as a rule influence or, or create any sort of burden or constraint on that uh, negotiation relationship. But the scenario laid out, you know, is a possibility, not sure if it will happen, but it's definitely right in terms of it's, it'll be a push and pull of where these EVs end up. So for those who are in greater Minnesota and want to make sure that their auto dealers are going to get some more EVs, I think it's really important to get in touch with your dealer, you know, constantly and just keep asking and keep pushing because it'll be through those touch points that those dealers will know that they want to make sure their EVs on their lots because their customers want them. And I think really importantly, uh, this question really illustrates the importance of participating in this rulemaking process as well. So I think, you know, the conversation today has been great and we just encourage everyone to continue that conversation and submit your comments. Um, and your feedback to the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. Um, check back with Fresh Energy and we will provide very detailed instructions on how best to um, engage and, and share your feedback with the administration. All right, with that, I think we're coming to a close. I am sharing a screen with Anjali and Margaret's Twitter handles. They're usually tweeting uh, all things clean cars and EVs here in Minnesota. So stay tuned to them or the Fresh Energy account. I guess I should have added that one as well. Uh, but thank you for joining us. We've got uh, a long ways to go still on this clean cars process. And we're glad that you're here with us getting the information you need to help move Minnesota in the right direction. Thank you everyone. And with that, I am going to end the meeting. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the audio recording of our webinar. You can stay up to date on Fresh Energy's work via our blog at fresh-energy.org 
or follow us on social media. And don't forget to register for our upcoming virtual benefit breakfast on October 22nd. If you register by September 15th, you'll be entered to win a signed copy of Dr. Leah Stokes' new book. All right. Well, in the meantime, thank you for subscribing to our podcast. And don't forget to support Fresh Energy's work by joining us at that breakfast or making a donation today, or maybe both. Again, our website is fresh-energy.org. Thank you for listening.